0: All right, glad to have you here, and maybe for some of you who are visiting for the first time today, I should just bring you up to speed. We are in a short summer series, a four-week series, uh, that is looking at the Trinity. Last week, we looked at the Trinity as a whole, the whole thought about that, and, and it just kind of blows your mind how God is one God, but yet three persons uh, that operate... Uh, Uh, in and of themselves separate from each other, but together, and yet one person. I I was looking at some other quotes about the Trinity, and Alistair McGrath, an Oxford theologian, said this, "...the doctrine of the Trinity wasn't invented, it was uncovered. The doctrine of the Trinity is not some arbitrary and outdated dictate handed down by some confused council." It is the inevitable result of wrestling with the richness and complexity of the Christian experience of God. Wow. That's a a theological perspective for sure. But then, of course, we have our beloved brother, Billy Graham, who's with the Lord. He said this, God the Father is fully God. God the Son is fully God. God the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Bible presents this as a fact. It does not explain it. Isn't that true? It's a fact. And we get to understand it a little bit more as we study uh, God's Word and understand Him better. And uh, as uh, JJ mentioned next week, uh, or we sang that song about the Holy Spirit, next week we're going to look, uh, or in two weeks we're going to look at uh, the the Holy uh, Spirit and just discover uh, all about Him that we can in a short period of time. Uh, But next week, we're going to look at Jesus as the second person of the Godhead. But today, we want to look at our Heavenly Father. We want to just take some time with our Heavenly Father. So, you know, as we consider the Trinity, uh, we look at these different passages and the truths are phenomenal. But the one passage I want to start out with that gives us a real significant leap forward is found in Matthew 28, 19. And it's that passage where we get our marching orders. The disciples got their marching orders. And it says in Matthew 28, 19, in the name of the... It says, go into all the earth, teaching, baptizing. How were you to do that? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's a great passage. If somebody says, why do you believe... In this concept of the Trinity, you can easily go there and say, well, you know, when we look at uh, God, he is, uh, we are told that he is Father, and God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit. And that's a lifetime of learning just in that one little passage. I wonder, though, when you think of God and you think of the first person of the Trinity, the Heavenly Father, do you find comfort in that? Knowing that he is your heavenly father? He functions as a father. And it's, it's more than just a simple title. It's the very nature of his character. It's the very nature of uh, the relationship that he wants to have with each one of us. I don't know. Going through life's existence without knowing God, our heavenly father, I, it's, it's like somebody said, it's like having a pencil without a lead. There's no point to it. God is our Heavenly Father. And when we know God truly, and He's be- truly become your Father, it means that the one who created everything, created all that we know, the one who knows our every need, He's there to turn to when we need guidance, provision, protection because he knows us intimately and personally. And I think this is one of the greatest privileges, uh, greatest sources of comfort for the Christian, uh, for, for all of us who know Jesus. Uh, this privilege to be able to come to know uh, the Father, the creator of all, personally, intimately, to know that, how deeply he loves each one of us. And that he has a grand purpose for each one of our lives. Do you know that he has a very specific grand purpose for your life? And part of uh, walking with Jesus is learning God's great and grand purpose for your life. Of course, this personal, this intimate uh, relationship is made possible. Uh, When we acknowledge our sin, when we confess our sin when we put our faith and trust in Christ as as our Savior, that he went to the cross and he took our place. The substitutionary life that we have because of what Jesus has done for us, that's when we can truly know our Heavenly Father. So, of course, we get Matthew 28, which gives us this grand picture of the Trinity. But let's go somewhere else this morning that I think... You'll love because I love this. Go to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, This is where we find uh, a passage where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They watched him and they heard him. And one of the things they wanted to learn is how to pray. And so he says in Matthew 6, uh, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he says, pray then like this. Now, we're going to read this together. It's on the screen. uh, And if you have your Bibles, great. It says, let's read it. Our Father, one more time, here together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, this is a model prayer. We, we don't get any gold stars for praying it, but we certainly have a better sense of this relationship that we really can have in Christ uh, with our heavenly Father. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, uh, what you'll discover there is the only time that the Father uh, God is really talked about as the Father of God, Father God, is that He is the Father of the nation of Israel. They looked him at God, One God, as the Father of the nation of Israel, but. You'll notice as you hear Jesus talking about his Father God, how upset in the New Testament, how upset the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, all these spiritual leaders and teachers were because they thought that was blasphemy, especially when Jesus said, My Father in heaven. Especially when he said, The Father and I are one. And Jesus was saying, I am God. Just like my father. But here in Matthew six, it is so critical for us to hear those first words, "Our Father." Isn't that sweet? It's no longer some distant, transcendent deity off in the distance that have we have no relationship with, or we're, we, we we have to look at him in fear without you know really loving him. But he is now our father. Do, do you pray? father my father do you have that sense of deep and abiding relationship a personal and loving heavenly father is your father jesus calls upon god the father as his father he says in matthew 7:21 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father he says who is in heaven of course you want to note that there are a lot of people who are going to stand at the gate of heaven and they're going to say, and Jesus said, I don't know you. Yeah, yeah, you said, Lord, Lord. But you did not have a real exchanged life relationship with me. He also says in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember this? My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Oh, it was a difficult time as the, uh, the day was coming in a few hours when he would give his life for all those who would put their faith and trust in him. And so he prays, my father. Remember when he went to Lazarus' tomb earlier? And, uh, you know, it, his, his heart was broken. His dear friend Lazarus was gone from this earth and he wouldn't have relationship with him there and then. But he prayed And he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. What did he do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd already said, God, I know what you're going to do. Thank you, my father. Thank you. And Lazarus was raised to life. And then again on the hour of his death, the eve, he says, Father, the hour has come. So we see here Jesus looked at God, the first person. As father, he's always looked at him that way. This is not something that uh, happened somewhere in time. Their relationship has always been one of father to son. But not only Jesus had this relationship, he called upon us to have this relationship, this sense of relationship. And he used the Apostle Paul clearly uh, as he understood this, and, uh, that. God is our Father. Uh, So, uh, let's not forget, Jesus calls upon us to recognize God as our Father. But not only that, when we look at Paul's writings, it is critical to understand that it is only through Jesus Christ that we can know God as our Heavenly Father. That relationship with Jesus is the critical pathway to having a father, son, father, daughter relationship with God. Paul instructed us that it is only through putting your faith in Christ that you're able to have a son, uh, a father-son relationship or a father-daughter relationship. He says in Galatians 3.26, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus You are all sons of God through faith. All daughters of God through faith. But where is that found? In Christ Jesus. As we have relationship with Jesus, a relationship of confession, uh, where he's forgiven us, and we uh, accept his gift of salvation, we then enter into a relationship with God as Father. Some claim that you don't need to have this relationship with Jesus, to have a relationship with God as Father. But listen to what Jesus said in John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. If God were your Father, you would love who? Jesus. What that love is talking about is a, a deep and abiding relational love with Jesus for what he has done and you've received that gift of grace. And the awesome, most awesome, greatest news, the good news is that no matter who you are, what your socioeconomic background is, uh, wherever you are in life, man, woman, child, anyone can call on the name of Jesus and become one of God's children. Anyone. You know, even a little child who can understand at a child's level, three, four years of age, can understand that they need forgiveness for their sin and they need Jesus for what he's done for them. So many little kids so willingly surrender because they know they need Jesus. But us adults, we're so stubborn. (laughs) We take so long. And the older we get, the worse it gets, isn't it? But no matter what age you are, no matter where you've come from, you just trust Jesus, confess your sin and trust Him, He will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And guess what? The Father becomes your Father. I love what it says in Romans eight fifteen. but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. As we... Uh, Come into a relationship with Christ. We are adopted into God the Father's family. And we get to call him. What a sweet phrase. Abba. Father. 1 John 3.1 says it so sweetly. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. It is important to note what John says just a few verses later. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are children of God. Now listen. It says, who are children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother is not of God. It's hard to say this because I I, I wouldn't I don't want to call anybody this But if you are not a child of God, you are a child of the devil. It's hard for me to think of that because I have some great dear relatives, friends, acquaintances who have put their hand up to God and said, I don't want what you have for me. I don't want to confess my sin. I don't want to trust Jesus because I'll do life on my own terms. And God calls them the children of the devil. And if that's the case, then the destiny for them is quite different than the destiny for those who are a child of God. And as we're called the children of God, typically it will be seen in how we act and how we, how we live our lives. By the way, I wanted to tell you this. I thought about this this morning. I wrote it here. My relationship with my Heavenly Father is not safe because it's in my hands. It's safe because it is in His loving and protective hands. That brought me comfort today. Because there are so many out in the world doing religion. And as they do religion, they're trying to do good. And one day they hope they have enough good coins in the bucket that God will say, Well done, you're my child. But the scriptures teach us clearly, you can't put enough good coins in that bucket to get God to say, okay, now you're my child. But you can put your faith and trust in Christ and in God's hands and you will be saved. Look at Jesus' reassuring words to his followers in John 10, 29. My Father has given them to me. Greater is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. God, my Father is greater than all. And if you're in the Father's hand, you're in what I love to term as the good grip of His grace. I played with my kids, you know, uh, games where I put a little coin in my hand. And I'd say, you can open my hand. It's yours. And of course, I'm a big ugly brute. <laughs> and they'll never get it out of my hands when they're little kids. But as it got older, it got tougher. And all of a sudden, the coin was gone and no longer is a coin enough. It's dollars, bills, and stuff. But when you think about this, we're in the grip of God's grace. Nothing, no one, the devil, no one can rip us out of his grip. We're firmly established. When I think of my earthly father, Stan Buttrin, well, a lot of you know my story. My story is that I'm adopted. I got adopted when I was almost three years of age. And my, my mom and dad went in to get a baby. They had a, a baby all signed up for, and they were going to go and final papers, signing all that. And as they went into the CAS, they saw this little boy in a corner playing by himself And they heard all about the troubles of this little boy. Uh, Mark Buttrin looked at Stan Buttrin and they said, yes. And that little boy was me. They said, we want him. And they chose me. They took me into their family. They adopted me into their family. I think that is awesome. I never get over that. But more than that, I never get over the fact that God chose me. And brought me into his family. My father Stan Butcher, was a great father. In so many ways. We had such a great relationship. He took care of every one of my needs. You know if it was a good thing. My father wanted to provide it for me. But my father. Is nowhere near. What my heavenly father. Is like. So. I want to leave you with some things here. Five, five truths about how does the creator of the universe, this heavenly father, convey this relationship of fatherhood toward us? How does that work? Just like my dad was an amazing father, we certainly know that a good dad cares for and provides for children. By the way, I know in this room, some of you are probably thinking right now, my dad wasn't that great. Like, my birth father was, was not a great father. I mean, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he was a drug addict. Uh, he had many, many children with no, out of wedlock and uh, with mistresses. My earthly father was not a great father. And I don't know if he ever came to know Christ as Savior. I, am, I have a, a, an unfortunate belief that he never knew Jesus, ever. He was not a good father. And many of you may have had, maybe not as bad as that, but you had a great relationship with your father. Maybe your father was absent through work or absent through a bunch of other stuff. Maybe challenging life made it difficult. And I want to let you know, I understand your pain. And I feel it with you and I, I pray with you over the fact that it would have been nice to have a, a father who loved you and cared for you deeply. But I want to tell you, one, our Heavenly Father wants to have a deep and intimate relationship with each of His kids. That's what He wants. I mean, a lot of people talk about being a friend of God, you know? God's my friend. And and yes, God can be our friend. But for God to be our God begins, as I've said already, with that uh, relationship with Christ, where you come into the family of God through what Christ has done for us. And when God is our Father, we can enjoy an intimate relationship with Him, where we lay before Him openly and honestly the challenges of our life, even the failures of our life. God will listen to us, and He will be there to comfort us, be there to guide us, forgive us, strengthen us. Uh, There's a wonderful ministry that you can catch a lot of it online called um, Desiring God Ministries. Uh, And uh, one writer for this ministry is John Bloom. He said this about having an intimate relationship with the Father. Intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. We frequently use spatial languages when describing this experience. An intimate friend is someone we feel very close to. They know us at a deep level. If something happens that damages the intimacy with our friend, they feel distant from us. Or a person who doesn't know us uh, intimately knows us at a superficial level. And what we're talking about here is knowing God intimately. As intimately as we possibly can Because he knows us intimately. When you can say, our father or my father, you're on that road to intimacy. The the glory of all this is that we will never know him perfectly in our intimacy. It's an eternity of growing to know him better and better. But now, if you are his child, he can say to you, I know you. I know you deeply and intimately. I know all your joys. I know all your hurts. I know your aspirations. I know you. And the blessing of God really knowing you is is his great desire to help you overcome life's hurdles. Life's challenges. And that he will provide whatever you need to move you forward in his great purpose and plan for your life. So our Heavenly Father wants us to have a deep and intimate relationship with Him. Secondly, our Heavenly Father wants to have a regular, focused time with us. If I can tell you anything that um, I keep learning more about and how important it is, is prayer. To be a man of prayer is a key element of a growing and deep Intimate relationship with the Father. The Father wants to hear from you. He's, he's like this. He's just waiting. Just talk to me. Just, just, just share with me what's on your heart. Listen again. Back in Matthew chapter 7, it says in verse 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Our heavenly Father, our good, good Father, delights in meeting the needs of His children. It's it brings him such great joy. If you're a father or a mother now, even you know what that feels like. You know, being able to say. This is a good thing. Yes, you, you would like this. It's a good thing for you. Let me give it to you. I can provide that for you. It says in Matthew 6.6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who is in secret will reward you. As he gives, it's, it's a reward. It's, it's something special. He's, he's providing and I, I, keep, I keep wondering, why do we put ourselves in this position of anxiousness? Because it tells us in Mass, Matthew 6, again, he says, don't be anxious. Know that I'm there watching and caring. I will provide. So our Heavenly Father wants to have a regular focused time with us. That's number two. Number three is, our Heavenly Father loves those who are his children unconditionally isn't that wonderful the Lord is committed to us based on his own loving nature not our sinless performance his loving nature by by the way there's nowhere in scripture you will find uh, the word unconditional when it refers to God's love for us it's just accepted it's just totally implied it's just there Just look at what um, Jesus had to say. It's, it's his high priestly prayer in John 17. A, a, a magnificent passage. He says in John 17, 20 23, I do not ask these only for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. It's in the unity of the Godhead and our unity by being in Christ that the world will know about the love, unconditional love, of our Heavenly Father. It's unconditional. Fourth, our Heavenly Father loves us enough to discipline us. Oh, what a topic. What a topic. Uh, I don't know about you, but disciplining my kids has always been a challenge for me. I remember when my father had to discipline me. Uh, I I think I've told you a story, but I I was about eight or nine years old. I can't remember now. But I went to the local drugstore and I I liked all the chocolate bars on the shelves. Oh, they look so good. I had to have one. Oh. So I shoved about 13 in my jacket (laughs) and walked out. Walked out with all this contraband, this stolen contraband. And all of a sudden, I felt this big, huge hand on my shoulder. It was the pharmacist. He must have been about 12 feet tall. That's the way I felt. And he said, son, come back in the store. And he called my family, called my mom, got me, mom at home. And I got home. Her mom came up, picked me up, and apologized. And I had to tell him, yes, sir, I'll never do that again. Remember, he's 12 feet tall, so I'm looking up. And got home, and um, I knew what was coming. And uh, my father got home, mom and dad had a little chat, and mom went away, (laughs) mom went into another room, and my father and I are alone, and he said, son, you know that I need to discipline you. And back then, you know, a a little spanking, properly administered was not a problem, and he properly administered my discipline. I got up, I was smarting a little bit, I still remember it. But I remember this, he said, and you've heard this, this is going to what? Hurt me more than you. I still think that that's not true. That's a lie. I believe that it hurt me more than him. But anyways, my father loved me so much that he knew if I didn't learn this lesson well now, that my life would be dramatically changed forever. And so he... Discipline me in love, wanting nothing but the best for me. I I, want to take you, it's a little longer passage, but would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a big subject about the discipline of God. And if you've never experienced the discipline of God, I, 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 I must say that you probably have not recognized it. Because God disciplines those he loves. But let me read a little bit of this. Hebrews 12, verse 5 and following. And the writer says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, as children? Where it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And chastises every son whom he receives. We could just stop there and we get it. That's that's pretty important to learn this. But he goes on to say, verse 7, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate and not sons besides this we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them Just, uh, that makes me go back to my situation i respected my father as i grew older and understood shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them but the disciplines of uh, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Oh, how true that is, Father. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When the Father disciplines, yes, it stings a bit. It stings a lot. But man, that training helps us to become all that he has us to be. He loves us unconditionally and he loves us enough to discipline us. My heavenly father more than my earthly father for sure desires that I would develop in holiness. And so he sometimes has to reprove me. He sometimes has to correct me. And all this he has to guide me to become this child of his that Resembles him more and more in my holiness in his holiness. Last, our heavenly father will guide his children to do the right things, and this is natural as he disciplines us and he guides us. Uh, he will help us to do those things which are right in his eyes. You know, this, this these few verses Proverbs 3 5 and 8 trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean. Uh, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Most of us stop right there. It's a great couple of verses to remind us to trust him. But we should continue. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I mean we need to We need to trust in the Lord. We need to uh, lean into him heavily and, and, and get his guidance. But we need to leave our wisdom behind and get his wisdom. If we look a little further in Proverbs chapter 9, it says in verse 10 and 11, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How do we grow in wisdom? We fear the Lord, have a holy reverence. For who he is and what his purpose in my life, our lives, is all about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Do you want a long life? Fear the Lord. I don't know what a long life means for everyone. For God, it's, he knows. He knows The number of days. He's counted them out for each one of us. And whatever number he counts, all I want to do is fear him in loving reverence and gain wisdom. So that when the paths are challenging, I can lean into him. Okay. Five insights that I hope will help you to understand. How loving your Father. We've got this grand understanding that God is one, yet three persons. And it's just a lifelong learning process to understand that. A little bit more each day. But today, have you got a little glimpse at God, the first person, the Father? How much He loves you? What He has done for you in sending Christ? And that he wants to have an intimate, deep, personal relationship with you. And a lot of that is on us. How much will you let the Father into your life? How much will you let the Father be the one who guides, leads, and protects in your life? And you just stop and say, I'm going to let you have your hand on my life and I'm just going to follow you. To do that, we're going to look at Jesus next week, the second person of the Trinity, and how important a relationship with him is, as we've mentioned today. So, what's the most encouraging statement that was made this morning? Just think through that, meditate on that this week. Have you, since the Father is clearly our guide and director, used with the Holy Spirit working in our lives, uh, are you letting him Direct you. And out of this morning's message, what is he talking to you about? What has impacted your Where do you feel the point of his hand this morning in your life? What's he teaching you? Meditate on those things this week, and we'll see you next week as we talk about Jesus, Savior, and Lord. Father, thank you for this time together today. We We know there's more to be talked about when it comes to you as Heavenly Father. But that's what we did today. And we trust that you will let that really sink into our heart and lives and that this week as we meditate on it, we'll prepare ourselves to hear more about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. And I pray if there's someone in this room who is yet to surrender and humble their hearts, confess their sins and trust Jesus solely as their Savior, that you would today just help them. Help them to pray this prayer. Father, I'm a sinner. I know it. I know that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for my sin, to take my place, and I accept his gift. And then, Lord, I know that when that happens, you will transform their heart. They will become a Christian, a follower of you. So thank you for what you're doing in their lives. The rest of us, Lord, just keep teaching us. Holy Spirit, teach, lead, guide. We ask this in Jesus' name.